the 20th, verse 11 is a great one. Even children show what they are by what they do. You can tell if they are honest and good. Wow. That's true, isn't it? Well, we started last week on a two-week series on God's favor. And we spent some time talking about what God's favor looks like. How do you experience it in your life? Where does it show up? What's it feel like, taste like, smell like? You know, does it show up just in our lives, in our relationships, at work, in our money, and um, in our security influence, all of those things. And what happens when we walk in God's favor and we start to experience his presence, it's, it's a little different than we, we expect. Because we said last week that you cannot achieve favor. You can only receive favor. It's kind of funny to talk about the favor of God because there's a lot of, you know, urban legend folklore kind of stuff that goes and circulates about that. And, you know, some of the stuff, do you know that there are websites you can go to to find out if some things aren't true? Uh, you know, Snopes and UrbanLegends.com. And, and you hear some things and sometimes it's uh, amazing what people believe. But, you know, you, you might scratch your, yourself on the head sometimes and think, how do people ever even believe that, that story you've heard? And um, I can tell you, for me, a lot of times it's just because... Have you ever been a kid? You'll believe stuff when you're a kid. I'm going to tell you a story that um, b- that I believed when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in Spokane, and um, it snows in Spokane, and we um, we would sled over there. And and now here we don't really know what a sled is, but little boys have sleds. Your parents actually like a bicycle. You have a sled in the wintertime, and um, you, if you uh, if you stay at it when you grow up. You graduate to a big boy sled, and that's this big, long, wooden thing. And at the top, there's this curved top to it. It's kind of this metal thing. And, and there are these two ears that stick out the side, and you can use them kind of to – you think that you're going to steer. They don't it – doesn't, it doesn't really work all that well. But, I mean, if circumstances are perfect, you can steer with the sled. And so um, I lived in this part of town near this big old park called Manitou Park. And there was this hill. That we called Suicide Hill, <laughs> and um, we called Suicide Hill because there it was it was amazing hill, and only the big boys went down Suicide Hill in their sled. And why was it called Suicide Hill? Well, because one kid got going so fast that he hit a bump, and he got out ahead of his. This was the story, right? He got out ahead of his slide sled. His head hung over. And somehow he drove his slide into a tree and it chopped his head off. Suicide Hill. I don't think I realized till a couple of years ago that that was not true. And I go back to Spokane and I take my family there and we go to Manitou Park and say, see that? That's Suicide Hill. It's this little flat thing. There's hardly any slope to it at all. How do people, the, the things people believe about the favor of God that somehow, sometimes he's going to wave a wand or something that it's mystical or that it's rare and that the odds of getting it are about equal to winning the lottery. Last week we learned that that's just not true. And if you didn't, if you, if you weren't here and you didn't, didn't get to hear that, I encourage you to catch up by uh, downloading. It's free on the website. And, um, you know, if God has been good to you, if he's blessed you, if he's been by your side and and um, you want to increase the presence of the Lord, I, I really believe that one of the best ways to do that is to increase God's favor in your life is to increase your awareness of the favor that you already have. I've learned 
personally, I really believe that gratitude is like the access code to favor. The word says, uh, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving and, and his, his, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Before I ask God for anything, I believe as I pray that I should always say thank you before I ever say please. Say thank you. So um, in that light, I just want to tell you something I'm thankful for. I'm thankful, and this sounds like this syrupy thing that pastors say, right? But now that I'm the guy saying it, I know that's just not true. But, <laughs> but I am thankful, really, for you. I'm thankful that, that I get to come on a Sunday consistently and be with people of your quality. I know you're here because I know you are here because you are quality people. I know that the, there is something in you that is saying, okay, it's raining outside, so I can't do this anymore. Whatever reason's going on, but you have chosen to be in the house of the Lord consistently. And uh, I am grateful to be around people that I watch love on each other and care for each other. There are people sitting here today whose hearts are broken. And for an hour and a half, it stops hurting because they're in the presence of the king and they're around other people who care. There are people here today who have come saying, God, I need an answer. I've been praying about something and I need you to show up. And they know that by hanging in the house of the Lord with the Lord's people, that something is going to change. I'm just grateful for you. And um, so before we go any further in God's word, I'm taking you on a grateful tour. We're just going to just spend seven or eight seconds thanking the Lord for the loving people to your left and your right. And I want you just to spend seven or eight seconds clapping and thanking the Lord. Come on, right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woohoo! Woohoo! Okay. That's good. You over. That's great. So we talked about God's favor and um, that he doesn't give us favors for our convenience, but instead he gives us his favor for his purpose. And the thing is that when God gives you something of his favor, he expects you to have even more faith than you did before. To him, to, to him much is given, more will be. To him, to him who much is given, more will be required. So today I want to spend time and talk about three points, talking about how to help us flow with the favor of God. It's one thing to walk in it and to experience it, but it's another thing to flow in it. Has anybody here been looking for God's favor? I mean, have, have you been? I, you know, I think it's crazy sometimes how when you're looking for something, even though it was present before, favor's been around us, but you start looking for something and all of a sudden, it's been here all the time, but you start seeing it everywhere. Here's an example. Something about our eyes starting to look for something. Have you ever been in the market for a car? You think, you know, I got some friends. They got a Honda Accord. Seems to work pretty good. Great mileage. Nice car to drive. Blah, blah, blah. So you start thinking about a Honda Accord. And all of a sudden, they're everywhere on the freeway on-ramp. It's a Honda Accord. In front, the guy that gets the parking spot, you Honda Accord. Everywhere, Honda Accords. Or it's a Jeep or whatever. whatever. You're, you, you start seeing it now because you're in the market for it. And your eyes are now open to it. I want to encourage you today to get in the market for the favor of God. And during this series, today I want to help you to train your eyes to see the pockets of favor that already exist. And I want to also help you to thank God for them and to learn the greatest ways to thank the Lord for his favor. By the way, 
You don't ever respond to the favor of God by doing favors for him. You don't trade gifts, you know. You don't get a fruitcake one year, so you've got to give him a fruitcake back the next year, right? Fruitcake, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I hear people say sometimes, they look around and they see what they perceive to be the favor of God, and they go, you know, this is not fair. You're right. That's true. There is nothing fair about the favor of God. There's nothing fair about a lot of... The cross wasn't fair. There, there, and, and he took your place. So our response to God's favor is, God, show me how I can take the favor that you've given me, the blessings that you've poured upon me, the influence, the money, the talents, and become a conduit of blessing to other people. Because, because God doesn't give you his favor for your convenience. He gives it to you for your purpose so it can flow through you, not just to you. We said last week, we kind of defined the favor of God as we said, the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish his highest purposes in and through your life. Now, the guarantee of his presence, that's saying, knowing that God is with me. The provision of his power, that's knowing that God is for me. It's good to have God with you, but it's a whole different thing to know that God is for you. It's a whole different level. So we, we talked about some favor fallacies. And um, sometimes when you ask for the favor of God and you pray for it, he's going to show up. But it may be in ways that you never would have expected and if you're looking for. God, you know I've been looking for favor a lot this week. So I would love to find favor now. I'm asking for a great parking spot. A favored parking spot. Maybe even right up front, next to the entrance. Lord, I'm a favor finder. So if we're going to find God's favor, first we've got to know what it is we're actually looking for. And I want to encourage you today if, if that God's favor can be found even in your most difficult circumstances, in the worst report from a doctor. God's favor can be found even when your condition is that your marriage is failing or let's just say it's failed all the way or you're so lonely that you don't feel the favor of God in any way let alone that God likes you and he's for you. If you learn how to perceive God's favor, then you can also receive God's favor no matter what you're going through in life. So today I want to take you on three points of flowing and living in God's favor. The first one 
which, by the way, remembering that, that favor can not be achieved, it's only received, is to expect. Expect. And, and, and that means to frame your world with favor. Last week, we talked about Moses and Mary, how they experienced God's favor. Um, one of those two had to lead a couple million people through extremely dry and hard conditions, and they faced all kinds of problems. And the other person was shown the favor of the Lord, and she got to give birth in impossible, difficult circumstances and faced a whole bunch of ridicule. Yet they both were there, and they both did go on to fulfill God's purpose, which was way bigger than their own convenience. That's what favor is all about. Now, I notice when I share that, that there's not a whole lot of clapping and cheering going on. Um, understandable. But l- the truth is that if I was Oprah and I told you all there's a free car for you waiting in the parking lot after church, you'd be clapping and cheering. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, But I'm not Oprah, so forget it. But God doesn't just offer to give you stuff. He offers to be something to you. To do something in you. And to work something through you. That's what his favor is. And it's better than anything anybody could ever give you because it can't be taken away. So I, I want to encourage you to frame your world. <laughs> that's a visual pun. Oh, I can't believe I've reduced myself to that. Frame your world with favor. Now, there are lots and lots of Bible characters that I can use to make this example. Um, Abraham flowed in favor, even though he was told to go off into a place he's never heard of. And God says, go to a land that I will show you, and I will be your shield and your exceeding great reward. So he makes this promise, but there was a lot of challenges ahead of his way. Nehemiah was another example. Gideon, Esther, Ruth. I mean, these people that the word talks about are great examples of people who were given God's favor, but they immediately faced challenges that um, none of us would sign up for. But I can tell you this. I have decided that I shall frame my world. Terry is going to frame his world with favor. I'm going to be looking. So even when bad things happen, I'm going to be choosing to believe this. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. That's a viewpoint of framing your world with favor. Why would that scripture turn on and off? True today, not true tomorrow because it will feel like it. True the next day. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Romans 8, 28. Memorize that one. That's a really good one. So I'm going to give you five quick scriptures and I'm not going to really develop these. We're just going to just see where God mentions um, and promises favor to his people. So here we go, rapid fire. Leviticus 26, 9. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. Psalm 5, verse 12. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. i got to talk about that one at least a little bit because that shield, that's a pretty cool deal. I know that the Lord not only is behind me, forgiving and protecting and erasing the bad things in the past, but he's back there, but he's in front of me, protecting me from things I don't even know I'm going to encounter tomorrow. And he's right there beside me, walking with me. I mean, that's a great one, that shield. Psalm 84, 11. 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing he does no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Well, you might say, well, okay, uh, skip that one, Terry. It doesn't apply to me. I'm not blameless. You don't know where my hands were last night. Okay, I get that. But Jesus was blameless. And he lived a life you couldn't live and died a death that you should have died so that he could give you his favor for free just for those who would say, all right, I give in. I will give my heart to Jesus. Okay. Proverbs 3, verse 4. I said I wasn't going to be developing these, but I can't help myself. Uh, Proverbs 3, 4. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. I know you guys have been saying, well, Old Testament, come on, get in the New Testament. Okay, here's a New Testament one for you. Acts 2, verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I know I said five, but as I was thinking this through, here's a pretty powerful one, and this one is about Jesus. So you get an extra one for free. Luke 2:52. Catch this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And I want to be like Jesus. But catch that. Did you catch that? He grew in favor. That means that one day he had less favor than he had later. I know sometimes we can think that, oh, Jesus, you know, he came out of the womb wise and all the. No, he learned. He grew in favor. I want to be like Jesus. I want, I would really like to have more favor tomorrow than I have today. Sounds selfish. Okay, fine. I'm selfish. I want more favor tomorrow than I have today. You're crazy not to want more favor. And I want to be more like Jesus. And it's not that God's like this genie in a bottle you can't manipulate favors from god by the way you could try good luck on that (laughs) and i can tell when i talk to some people that they don't really expect god's favor you can hear it you know people 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 who have the favor of god in their heart they're in the market for it and they expect it they use a different vocabulary you can hear it in the way they talk i mean you don't wake up saying you know i wonder what's going to go wrong today you know, you start saying, I wonder how God's going to be good to me. Maybe you don't think that, but you carry that attitude. You think, I wonder how God is going to be using the circumstances I face. I know I'm going to have some challenges today. They're going to frustrate me, and I will be frustrated. I'm a human, and I'm going to be a mistake. I'm going to make some mistakes. But I know on the other end of that tunnel, whether it's a short tunnel or a long tunnel, God's there. I wonder why that, how that'll be, how it'll work out, because I have the favor of God. That's framing your world. But you hear some people talk differently. You know, something bad will happen. They, they, something horrible. They get fired or um, some bad things happen. And they say, you know, I went back to the store to get it. And the last one was gone. It was gone. That's the story of my life. And some of you say that. And you need to stop saying the story of my life. You need to stop saying that. <laughs> because if that's the story of your life, if bad things always happen to you, if you're always disappointed, if you're always intimidated, if you're always never expecting God to be good to you, if that's the story of your life, you need to get a new life story writer, a new life story director. I mean, 
The next time you see Goliath showing up in your life, instead of, oh, he's here to crush me, to take away my hopes, to kill me, instead, okay, this looks bad, but all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to him. Now, it's not like you march into this thing blind and stupid because you're going to get squashed. It's you really believe that in spite of the difficulty you face, there's a heaven-based purpose, and the Lord will be there, and you'll be okay. It will come out okay. Everybody in this room has faced things that you thought, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get past that to the next day. But you're here. So you need to stop seeing things like Goliath, and it's like, oh, story of my life. Favor should be the primary frame of reference for the child of God. You know, it's just like in my house, my kids grow up, they don't ask permission to eat the food. It's just, they go ahead and eat it. (laughs) And eat it, and eat it, and eat it. I mean, but it's what they do. And the scripture tells us that we should not forget the benefits of the Lord. There's a scripture that tells you, don't forget the benefits of the Lord. In Psalms, I see Christians who forget how good the favor, God's favor really is. I remember I had this job that I got hired, first real job I had. And, and um, you know, they sent me off to training and training was out of town. So they put me in the hotel. I've mentioned this before. And, and they paid, you know, they gave me a meal allowance. And I thought, wow, cool. They're going to pay for my food even though I'm not at work. I get to have breakfast and they pay for it and dinner. I'm just shocked and amazed and you know, plus they're training me, plus they're going to give me a paycheck and they cover my health. I mean, all this stuff when you first, okay, I was naive, all right? So I'm, all this stuff's going on. And I remember finally finishing the training and I show up and I've got this, this you know, sunshine attitude about all this stuff. And, the, you know, I, I tell some of my friends, hey, they pay for my health care. And my, I, these, I, I can remember one friend saying, you know, he wasn't all that impressed. He goes, yeah, that's a pretty standard part of the package. And, you know, I think typically when we first become Christians, when we first open our hearts to the Lord, we're amazed. I am really a child of God. He really forgives me. He loves me. I opened up the word of God and it's speaking to me. And all of these things are going on. And over time, over time, we start to get used to the benefits of the Lord. We start to get used to the things that at one time were special to us. They seemed like they were just a part of the package. And I think it's a tragedy when Christians overlook the benefits of the Lord. It's not working? Oh, well. Okay. Well, I was going to play a song for you here without putting any undue pressure on any technical person who's serving us. I just appreciate it. (laughs) It worked great in rehearsal and these kinds of things happen. I could sing for you, but the person singing um, was Whitney Houston. And I don't think I can (laughs) pull that off. Please stand by. Are we, have, are we, is this a no-go no or is it?
Yeah. <laughs> Best laid plans. Okay. So that's all right. It's not your fault. We something somewhere. So so here's here's what's supposed to be happening right now. Um, Whitney Houston sings probably the most beautiful version of Jesus Loves Me that you will ever hear anywhere in your life. And, um, you know, she's got this lovely voice. It's tender and it's soft and it's true. And the reason I wanted to play that song was um, while it's playing and while the words, that simple truth kind of seep into your soul, Jesus Loves Me, this I know, um, I was going to remind you that she was raised in a church. She was raised with the word of the Lord. She sang in her church. And it wasn't that she did these things, but when you interview people who knew her then, without being starry-eyed about her, her, her career, they said about her that she had a unique gift and a call upon her life. And the presence of the Lord when she sang and if you were hearing that song right now, you'd be in agreement. Yes, the presence of the Lord is there. And the tragedy, the tragedy is when Christians, us, when we start to forget the benefits of the Lord because we have our eyes focused on the difficulty of the dry season that we're in right now. That's a tragedy because the Lord will take you through to the other side and all things do come. When you expect and when you frame your world with favor. Okay, second point. Finding God's favor. First one is expect. Frame your world with favor. The second one is recognize. Open your eyes to opportunity. I'm, um, I'm a, um, I like car racing. Um, it's one of the things that I will take time to make my DVR record for me. I know some of you think that's crazy. Who could give a rip about car races? Um, I've been a Formula One fan for years, and I used to watch IndyCar races a lot more than I used to. You know, Formula One races right now are happening in Europe, which means they're on at 4 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Now, I don't always get up at 4 o'clock to watch them. Um, sometimes I watch a bit, but I have other things on Sunday mornings that are a higher focus for me, so my, my machine records them. But I used to go to the car races, and I took my boys to the car races when they were little. Um, so the closest real car race I could get to from here was in Portland. Every year at about Father's Day, they would have an IndyCar race there. You know, IndyCars. Indianapolis 500 IndyCars. Listen, if you're going to be part of this church, you better know about race cars. So we're going to work on this. So we would go down. I would take my boys, Ben and Joseph. They were little. Little, cute, little boys. Just cute little boys. And uh, did you ever go, Rachel? Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I owe you a race. We'll go to the races. So um, I took her to the drag races, though, a real races. So anyway, so I took the boys. So here's the deal with the races in Portland. The big race is on Sunday. It's all business. Friday, they do practice. They get used to the track. They get their car set up. Saturday, they do qualifying. They're pretty business. And Sunday, whatever. So, but all three days would be recorded and televised on ESPN. Well, I knew that because I was a fan. So I would take my boys. We'd always go on Friday and Saturday because Sunday I needed to be back because of ministry. And uh, so we're down there. And having been doing this for a while, we knew the routine. So they had T-shirts and they had a marker pen and a um, ball cap that would say some racing thing on it. And one day we're walking through the pits. And these race teams have these great big hospitality areas where the race team, they get fed by a chef. 
I mean, it's good food, and they're all sitting around, and, it's, it's, and they're sitting in there. And we're walking along, and it's Friday. Friday's not very busy because people are at work, and it's the best day to go for your big, ba- big bang for your buck that day. So I'm walking with my little boys, and the smell and the sounds, and all the cool race stuff going on. And I look into this area, and there inside, sitting at a table, are three guys having their breakfast. Mario Andretti, Emerson Fittipaldi, and Nigel Mansell. Now, you may not know the last two names, but all three of these guys are Formula One world champions. <laughs> right? Not really. But, but they were really Formula One world champions. Pretty rare to see these three characters together in Portland, Oregon. In my, my country, basically. So they've got all these ropes, you don't go in, and blah, blah, blah. But little Joseph... He'll do anything. He's, he's fun-hearted, and he's a little boy. He could get away with stuff that I couldn't get. I would get carded. So I said, Joe, take your pen and go in there and get them to sign your hat. Not for me, but for him. Go get those. He goes, he goes woo. I said, those three guys right there. Okay. So he takes his pen. He goes underneath it, and he goes screen in there. Everybody ignores him. He goes up to the table. They stop what they're doing, and they sign his hat. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm doing this, whatever thing, thing it is. And I'm watching this, and he comes out. And I'm so excited. And I get down in front of Joseph, and I said, Joseph, you realize you have the signatures of three Formula One world champions, Nigel Mansell and Emerson Fittipaldi and Mario Andretti won the Windy 500. You realize that? He looks at me and says, Daddy, could I have some popcorn? <laughs> He didn't care about Nigel Mansell. It just goes to show you that something great can be right in front of your face. (laughs) And because you don't care, you can be uh, focused on something that doesn't matter at all. Or because you're not mature enough, sometimes you fail to see the favor that's right straight in front of you. And the fact is that Greatness is in front of me and in front of you every day, more than you realize. You know, some of us will look at, at we'll look at people and we'll see someone else that has this terrific marriage, and we'll go, "Wow, well, that's a great marriage because the favor of God sits upon it all the time, and God somehow pulls the strings and makes it a great marriage." No, this man and this woman are just recognizing the, their opportunities for the favor of God, and when they open their eyes to it, God's able to pour more in. When they see what's coming, God can pour more favor into you when your eyes are open to see that favor. I encourage you to open your eyes today to the opportunities that God has already placed around you. Okay, number three, finding God's favor. One, expect, frame your world with favor. Two, recognize, open your eyes to opportunity. Um, Now, it does you no good to expect and frame and to recognize and open if you don't also, three, respond. Give yourself to obedience. I told you um, that this message I mentioned last week, that this message was a little bit about walking in the fog. And if you were one of the people that takes notes during sermons, which I always encourage because it makes me feel better. Um, Actually, taking notes helps. I think it helps. But if you were taking notes, then you will notice that those three fa- phrases start with a letter. One, frame your world. F- frame your world. Two, 
open your eyes to opportunity. Three, give yourself to obedience. Fog. Come on, act like that was cool. I worked hard on that. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Yeah, see, I like short words. Fog, okay? <laughs> and although it's true that you can never produce or achieve God's favor, you can position yourself to receive it. You can. Favor is not just a matter of luck, a matter of chance. It's not just looking on the sunny side. I, I'm, I'm talking about you leaving this series committed to being favor finders. Not just, you know, for three days while you were inspired, hopefully, or still inspired, but instead that God will actually change the way you view things. You and the Lord will together partner and allow him to change your outlook and say, Lord, I am going to follow hard after you in this. And if you walk hard after the Lord, the word says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So when I'm following Jesus, his favor follows me because it's around him. I think back to um, how I obeyed God in something that to me seemed, it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal, but it led to some huge changes in my life. When I first got saved, my girlfriend, I don't know, think we were married at this point, um, Lisa, better be you, right? <laughs> she never knows what's coming next. Um, my girlfriend, Lisa, says, come on, we're going to go serve in Sunday school. And there was something of obedience going on there. It was, it was not my natural inclination. Oh, I want to go serve in Sunday school. I mean, it was, she said, we should be serving. We don't have any kids. We're not married. But were we married? Okay, she doesn't know the story yet. So how could she answer the question? So, so she says, come on, we're going to serve. So we served in the Sunday school class, and it was three- and four-year-old children. Now, there was one little boy, and I cannot remember his name now. But... Um, he was special needs and he wasn't sick, but I'm telling you every day at 10.08 sometime, some specific time, he threw up in this class every, do you remember that? Every week. Yeah, here's my, <laughs> yeah, what? Teddy? Teddy was a sweet little boy, but for some reason he got all excited and every day you could set your watch. The first, my first ministry experience was a little boy who constantly threw up on me. Sometime later, I stopped doing that ministry, and I moved to something that was called Royal Rangers. It's kind of like boy, boy scouts, kind of in, in, in the church. And I had a group called Buckaroos. Buckaroos are seven-year-olds, and um, at the most Buckaroos I ever had to lead at one time with no help was forty. <laughs> The night that I had 40 buckaroos by myself, it was survival mode. So instead of the wonderful devotions that we had and so forth, what I did was I had all the boys, come on down here. Everybody take your shoes off and put them in this pile. Stir them all up. Now go stand against that wall. And when I say go, go get your shoes on. First one to get back here with your shoes on is winter. So go, 40 kids fighting over 80 shoes. That burned up 10 minutes and about a million calories. <laughs> Anyway, buckaroos. So I did buckaroos for a while, and there were some spiritual things that happened there, too. 
Eventually, I kept in these different ministries, and we said, we were in a, in a larger church, and I said, you know, we need a young marriage ministry here socially. So we started this, we started this young marriage ministry in this church. And then we said to the pastor, you know, we need some spiritual help here. And by the way, that's a tie-in to this church because the pastor says, okay, I'll assign um, a, a more senior guy who can teach you and lead you. His name was Ken Spriggs. Some of you know Ken. That was my first, uh, first time to get to know Ken, and he was the spiritual head for that, for that ministry. Anyway, so we, I, I, I obeyed Sunday school. A little boy who would throw up. I, I went the next week. Not because I liked it, but because I was obeying the Lord. And I went through this series of steps that seem humble. And here I am today, standing in front of you, telling you about the favor of God. It's an amazing sequence. I would have never planned it. I could have never planned it. And I have to tell you that standing here and saying this to you is, for me, my highest ministry call is to stand in a church and share the word of God. And it started out as a step of obedience. Now, I clarified highest ministry call because I have higher calls in my life. My highest call in my life is right there. My wife and my family, my children. Ministry call. My highest ministry call through obedient steps. There is somebody here today, probably many people, and the Lord is speaking to you about a very simple step of obedience. And the simple step that he's asking for doesn't sound like a whole lot. It's nothing Mother Teresa, notable Nobel Prize kind of a step. It's some little step, and it's not that exciting. And there may be something that God wants you to do, create an impact. Maybe there is something that's locked up in obedience. And it's bigger than anything that your eyes can see. So today... I'm going to ask you to decide to walk in the favor of God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk around any longer encircling and, and wandering. I've made a decision. I am going to walk in obedience and find the favor of God wherever it is, no matter what it costs me. Let's pray. Lord, today, I pray this simple prayer. I simply want to find you and I want to find your favor in my life no matter what it costs me. In Jesus' name, amen.